Hi, I'm Matthew Kind. Every Monday, look for a fresh new episode where I'll take you behind the scenes and interview the insiders that are shaping the rapidly evolving cannabis industry. Learn more at cannainsider.com. That's C-A-N-N-A insider.com. Now here's your program. What's it like to emigrate from Nigeria, grow up in the USA, and put yourself in the center of the cannabis industry in multiple states? Here to help us answer that question is Shaywoon Adetaji, CEO of Elevate Cannabis. Shaywoon, welcome to Canna Insider. Thank you, Matt, for having me. Give us a sense of geography. Where are you in the world today? I'm currently in Eugene, Oregon at one of our dispensaries. Okay. And what is Elevate Cannabis on a high level? Elevate Cannabis is a retail uh, retail cannabis uh, store. We're multi-state operators with locations in Oregon and Massachusetts, and we're looking to expand across the United States. Okay. I mentioned that you're originally from Nigeria, but can you share a bit about your background and journey and how you got into the cannabis space and started Elevate? Absolutely. Um, I, like you said, I migrated from uh, Nigeria at the age of three. I moved to Chicago, Illinois. And while I was in Chicago, Illinois, I lived with my stepmom and my home was not a wholesome home. And we, there was just a lot of chaos. Uh, So as a young kid to make money, I was a kid with a duffel bag with candy in my bag. And I was selling the kids like, hey, I know you like Alexis, your breasts stink. I got some gum for you. Um, and kids used to buy gum for me, buy candy. Uh, I used to go to a, a place that was like Jewel Osco. It was more, uh, it, was, it was really big in Illinois. Used to buy a bunch and mark it up. And the cafeteria people markup was insane. So I was, a little, I was undercutting them a little bit. And kids just loved it. Um, and I progressed to cannabis. I saw that there was more margins uh, in cannabis. I, I started selling cannabis to kids in school, and I did really well. At the age of 13, I got busted. I got arrested for cannabis uh, possession at a really young age. And at that time, I felt like my life was over. I had a stepmom that told me I would never amount to anything. Uh, I was in a destructive environment, and I just didn't see a path forward for myself. Luckily, I had my auntie uh, who said that I could move to Texas with her. My auntie is very successful. She's an entrepreneur slash nurse. And I, she gave me the opportunity to really hit a restart, uh, to really center my life and to encourage me. She was the first woman to show me love, meaning unconditional love. Uh, and it really helped me uh, focus my entrepreneur skill set to look at how can I be better? So I started focusing more on education. I started focusing more on, uh, you know, I joined FBLA, Future Business uh, Leaders of America. We went to state, we won national. So different things like that really helped me out. I then pivoted, moved to Washington State. Um, And at this time, I was about 20, uh, 21, and I saw cannabis legalization unfold uh, before my very eyes. And I started looking at how can I get into this emerging market? Now, looking at the revenue being generated motivated me even more. And I wanted to bring uh, a level of love, unconditional love, like my auntie brought to me, to my company. How could I do that with a lot of capital that is required to get into the cannabis industry. So Elevate Cannabis was started to uplift, elevate, and uh, encourage 
um, more people to have a better life. And, um, you know, we got started. I only have $50,000. I was just a young kid. It, it was a process, like I told you earlier, it was a three-year process where, you know, getting the license, getting everything set up, getting the, so I was, I called myself the COE. I was the chief of everything. And we finally got our business open uh, at the age of 23, where I was able to uh, acquire a property here in Eugene, Oregon. Now I was paying the arm and a leg in a very uh, hidden location. And what really helped us succeed in Eugene, Oregon was cus- not, you know, customer acquisition is great. Customer retention is even better. So we were really community focused and we were able to, you know, really uh, word of mouth spread. And we really did great. And like I said to anyone listening out here, I slept in my shop for a whole year because I was underfunded. I only had 50000 to get my first shop open. And now we're multi-state operators with locations in Massachusetts. Yeah. So you're in Oregon and in Massachusetts. That's right. That's correct. Okay. And you've raised you've raised capital uh, more than that initial fifty thousand seed money. Can you talk a bit about that? Yeah. So we knew that in order for us to keep Oregon one is an oversaturated market. In two thousand eighteen, we saw products going for a hundred dollars a pound. We saw dispensaries selling grams for about little to a dollar gram to consumers. Longevity. I saw that this was not sustainable. How can we be, uh, you know, I didn't want to work and die at my shop, right? I wanted to be more, uh, I, I, I saw a greater opportunity in Massachusetts because there's a limitation of licenses. And the harder it is for you to get an application in, the better it is. So one thing that, that we leverage, the, the state of Massachusetts has a three for retail cannabis. They uh, limit it to three per corporation. And what this corporation, what do they want to do? They want to be profitable for their shareholder. So I I know how to win licenses. I know how to write applications. So I went to Massachusetts. I read the laws. I hired one of the top attorneys out there, Paul Feldman. And we worked together to win our first license in Athol, Massachusetts. We did a, a purchase. Uh, uh, we purchased the properties. Uh, we, we lobbied the, the politicians and we were able to win a license in mass and we won a two additional one. Now, keep in mind, Massachusetts is a hard market to win a license. So we had our host community agreement, non-opposition. That's the first uh, set of winning a license. You got to win it in the community before you can actually apply with the state, which is what we did. So each city in mass, they limit the amount of licenses that they are given out to uh, entities. And for us, we were able to go to cities that were only given out to, and we were able to win them. Now, the second phase is how do we raise more capital to complete our build out? So what I did was I, I had a relationship with politicians like Tito Jackson, who is very minority focused and very minority forward. So I told him my situation and raising more capital. He introduced me to an entity that, uh, that that saw the benefit of you know shelf space. So what I did was I basically sold my shelf space to raise more capital instead of giving up any equity. Uh, Long term, we, we modified that into just strictly debt capital with X amount in percent after we open after six months period. Okay, that makes sense. Well, well done so far. I mean, that's a big accomplishment. How old did you say you were again? You're in your 20s. 
Yes. So I just turned 27, May 23rd. So I opened my first location at at the age of 23. Oh, great. Great. Well done. Okay. So you have, you have a multi-state operator who invested in your business. Can you talk about that? Yeah. Um, you know, we, we were, we, we negotiated for about eight months. It was a back and forth. And the reason why they invested in me, keep in mind to get a license in mass is very hard. And they see this young kid that that had a lot of hustle and I was able to articulate and speak on the market on a high level compared to a lot of other people. So, um, I think that they were super impressed by that. And I also own property. So that's the, that's the other way I was able to get some capital. So my real estate property, I bought it for a huge discounted price. One of our property we bought for 50000 You know, we're now the property is appraised at a mill. So what we were able to do was re-collateralize uh, the property to get more finance out of it. Okay. So you leveraged the equity in your existing real estate. Uh, you kind of cashed out that equity to invest in your Massachusetts uh, dispensaries. Is that right? That's correct. Okay. And so was it this politician in Massachusetts? He was kind of pivotal in introducing you to some investors that could help you out. So that was a key introduction. Absolutely. It was it was a politician and also their attorney. So the the big multi-state operators, keep in mind, I'm sitting here lobbying for myself to win a license in different cities. And some of they had lobbyists that, you know, we were all sitting together because we had presentation and they were all impressed by me. They were impressed by my knowledge. So outside of the politician, uh, we also had some big firm, uh, Vicente Cedarberg, you know, their attorney mm-hmm. spoke really highly of me. So all those people, you know, your reputation follows you. So when those people are speaking highly of you and how what you've accomplished in, in such a hard market to even get a license in, um, that also helped me out. So it was a combination of just people speaking highly of me and my track record of winning licenses. Oh, that's great. Now, did you have any, what, how do you think you honed your mindset? Because, you know, unfortunately the state of the world is that I think most people would rather complain that the, the system doesn't work and they can't get things done. And you just see this as an opportunity and run right into it and just, you know, talk to people, figure it out. Um, did you read any books or have any mentors or anybody that kind of helped illuminate like, Hey, like this is possible. This is how you do it. Or was it just, Self-taught. What what can you say there? I believe nothing is given. Everything is taken. And and what I mean by that is, you know, everybody has their own problem situation. You know, you have to go out there and hustle. You have to go out there and get it. And, and, and uh, nobody's going to do it for you. So what I did was I learned from everybody. I, I look, I assess every situation. I learned from people what their success were, what their mistake was. What got them? What decision they made to 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 get them to the point they're at right now? Um, and I assessed those situations. I said, okay, this is what I don't want to be, and this is what I want to be. And I start hanging out with people that I want to be like. I, I remember the first wealthiest multi-million dollar person I met was in Eugene, Oregon, um, um, and he was one of he was just wealthy beyond my wildest imagination, and. When I was struggling, he never gave me a penny. But what he did give me was knowledge. I didn't want his money. I wanted knowledge. So I, I called this man like I called him about a hundred times. I was like, "Hey, can I just take you off a coffee?" 
And um, one day he finally returned my call. He's like, yeah, I'll, I'll take you out and I'll pay for it. I said, no, I, I want to pay for coffee for you. So he came. Uh, we went to coffee and he started talking and I learned so much. I, I, I learned I, I asked him about his journey. I, I don't want to hear about people's success. I want to learn about your journey for you to obtain that success. I think that's super important. And uh, I read a lot of books. Um, I read a lot of books. I think that a lot of people undermine kindness and love. And um, I think that in this times that we're in, I think love wins more than anything. Because back in the day, you have to be firm. You have to be a hardcore. You have to be... Uh, you know, this mean person and, and, and control people. But I think right now when when you lead with love and passion and, and integrity, um, you can go a lot further than ever before. Well said. And so you have a presence in Oregon now. You've got the three licenses in Massachusetts and you're working on Illinois. So you're like, hey, how can I get into the most difficult markets? <laughs> That's the decision you made, but that's also good. You have a you have a moat around you. Then uh, Illinois is maybe a little less difficult than Massachusetts, but I wouldn't say it's easy. So, what do you have going on there? Yeah, so Illinois is my home state. Uh, giving back is really big. So, what what we did in Illinois is in thirty three states out of the fifty states in the United States, all thirty three states, you need real estate before you can even get into or apply for a real estate uh, or, or cannabis license. This does not say you're going to win. You're just, you're gambling thousands and hundreds of thousands of dollars. So what we did in Illinois, we worked together, we lobbied, um, you know, and, and we had the opportunity to talk to the politicians that are writing a bill like Stain, uh, Kelly Cassidy, and we, we really advocated for the real estate to be removed as a criteria before you apply. We also advocated for funds for minorities to tap into um, so they can get their business started. Because when you look at all the states right now, everyone is looking at how to implement minority inclusion. The biggest thing that, that fail when people do that is, yes, it's great that we have advocacy work that's being done. And we, we have now social equity uh, that, that people are rolling out with. But the biggest hurdle is capital. Money talks at the end of the day. So what we did in Illinois, we lobbied for capital to to be implemented in the bill. And to our surprise, they did that, which was a huge one for us. Um, now, the, second, the third step was how do we get this information out to the people that really need it, the people that have been affected by the war on drugs? Illinois bill was 800 plus pages. Just So just for you to... Um, read the, the law, the process on how to apply. You have to read 800 pages worth of, of, of legislation. And, and, and when you look at the minority, in, um, you know, that they've been most affected by the war on drugs, you know, they live in a disproportional area. They have three jobs. So one of the things that we did was we started Elevate Our Community, where we went out, we helped people from the south side, west side of uh, Chicago, and we helped them with understanding how to apply. And we also had workforce seminars where we partner up with, like, Minority for Medical Marijuana. We partner up with Green Rush, with uh, Good Tree Capital, where we gave them the resources they needed to uh, apply and actually have an opportunity to win a license. Okay. That's a lot. That's a lot. You got endless hustle, Shay Woon. 
Okay, so <laughs> <laughs> that's one of our core value. As, as, as you know, I'm young right now, and and the biggest thing is, you know, I'm 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 the underdog. Nobody, you know, they, they don't see me, so it gives me the ability to, if I make a mistake compared to all the bigger MSOs, I can I can pivot, I can adjust, I can, I, you know, there's a lot more in the capital cost to build out our store compared to a lot of other people. Is, is is a little bit lower because our our target market we don't really focus on big cities our goal is smaller border town so that's what we focus on so you don't currently see elevate in boston or you know any big city right now because we see that property acquisition in smaller towns are a lot cheaper we we focus on smaller town because they're on the border of illegal state. So all three of our location and mass are on the border of New York, Vermont, New Hampshire. And we do that strategically because of those few things I initially mentioned. Less capital and uh, the, the lobbying power, you have a greater opportunity, especially when you already have a track record. Uh, the ability for you to get in front of the mayor um, and actually talk and they, them um, buying into your goal and your vision and how you can help the city and the town is, is, is a lot greater. So strategy is big and understanding your market is big. Yeah. Let's re- let's circle back to what pushed you out and to look at Massachusetts and now Illinois. It was kind of Oregon's flood of inventory. There was so much supply of cannabis flour that the price just dropped massively. You said, I think a hundred dollars a pound. And that was a couple of years ago. Where is it today? So the prices are actually coming up. So you saw a lot of uh, entities sell out and you saw bigger corporations um, come in and consolidate a lot of the mom and pop businesses. So prices are going up again. You get, you can get a B bud from 500 a uh, dollar a pound. Now you could get some really great uh, flowers from a thousand to two thousand five hundred. So prices are normalizing. But before that was not the case. Uh, before there, there, as you know, Oregon right now does not have a cap on the total amount of licenses they're they're given out. So it's an endless amount of licenses. Now they put a pause on it currently, and that is really helping the market. Okay, so. When you have a dispensary, you have the problem, you got a kind of chicken and the egg problem is that you want customers, you want to serve them, you want to retain them. How do you get them in the door? And right now, Leafly and Weed Maps is probably the biggest chunk for most dispensaries. It's thousands of dollars a month that they're being paid. How do you, to get you know people into the store, and that's a valuable service, I don't want to minimize that, but is what else can you do? How do you drive word of mouth? Is there anything else that's less expensive or how do you get those initial customers to come in? Yeah. Uh, partnering up with small businesses. That's what we really do. Uh, vendor days where we get our local farmers to come out. COVID-19 is kind of freezing that for us a little bit, but we get local farmers. They have their following. They have people that trust them and we get them to come in, set up a booth, do different promotions where we both eat the cost, right? Uh, we, we get uh, different discounts that's out there where we can really push. We look at different margins, like where, where does your profit margin need to be? Where does ours need to be? And we partner up with those farms to get it to that, where now we are pushing really crazy deals to get people to notice us. But now once we get those customers in, the prices, we then normalize it. 
and is a win-win for us and the cultivator that's a mom-and-pop business that you know might be struggling to even push their product out now we come up with a creative way where i'm not taking any equity in your company but we're coming up with creative ways where we could both win okay uh we also do uh things like treat everyone like gold we partner up with university of oregon local businesses where we uh you know our customers come in they write positive note each month we pass it out uh, random strangers and what that does for us is it gives more uh, visibilities to who we are. Those local businesses are putting our flyers at their business. They're putting different swags at their business. So really partner up with the community and local businesses has really given us the ability to save on costs. Like you said, Leafly is an arm and a leg. But those those little small things where we could do uh, cross promotion with local businesses, it's definitely helped us out. Okay. So – Three locations in Massachusetts kind of strategically placed to border other states. It's a lot of logistics and capital and everything to get to get that open. When do you think the first sales will happen in mass for you? We, we are ready to go. So we have our post provisional license right now. We just we due to COVID-19, we were set for our uh, in-person uh, in walkthrough investigation um, right now because of COVID-19. And they paused on that, that uh, about two, three weeks ago, Mass uh, Cannabis Control Commission, uh, we've been lobbying for virtual investigation. Uh, Commission Title and uh, Commissioner Hoffman uh, have, have uh, agreed to those things. So now they're now just working on the guidelines on what virtual investigation is actually going to look like is in place. Uh, so once they figure that out, we're going to we're really hoping before Q4. We're going to open our shops in mass, and uh, we'll be good to go. Okay. So there's a lot of people that are listening that have been waiting and trying to figure out how to get into the industry. They maybe just send out a few um, resumes, and then they say that didn't work. I guess this isn't for me. What What do they need to do differently? I mean, you have a level of commitment. I think that is way higher way higher than the average person is it is it first just the commitment in your mind to get into this industry is that what it took for you or once you got some traction that gave you kind of the courage for the commitment i mean what are your thoughts there man i'm scared i was scared when i first started i was terrified i'm a young kid i never outside of selling drugs i i ran a marketing I was a marketing manager for Sprint, but I never ran my own store. So optimistic, being optimistic and knowing that life, you can have any, I believe personally, this is me. This is just my personal opinion. I think that, like I said, nothing is given, everything is taken. And it's just like, how bad do you want it? There's a saying is, you know, you have to want something as bad as you want to breathe. And has anyone ever tried to hold your breath? How hard would you fight? to make sure you're able to breathe. So for me, I, I don't make excuses on what is not possible. Uh, I start looking at what can be done. There's certain things that are absolutely out of my, my control, uh, but I really dive in on creating a core team around me to, you know, like really great executive team. So shout out to Catherine Tanner. She's our COO. Uh, she keeps me grounded. She's super amazing. And, and for the people that feel like, you know, they're, they're, they're just having a hard time to get in. I, I think really understanding what part of the cannabis industry are you most passionate about that? Even if you don't get paid, you will still do it. 
figure that out first. Then once you're able to figure that out, look at now, how do you get paid? What steps, like keep it simple. What steps do you need to do to win a license or to to get this job? Who do you know within your network? Can you go on LinkedIn and start looking at who works in this facility? And can you start interacting with them, emailing them, um, showing them your resume, showing them who you are, your personality. So I think it's more about like getting creative, thinking outside the box and inside the box. Um, and and look, I, I tell people leverage the laws to get to where you want to go. Like I in every state, I read the laws. And, and what that does is outside of my attorney reading it, it gives me a level of understanding on how can we target this market and how do we win a license? Because once you're able to like like in Massachusetts, we had a lot of people there. They were targeting the same city we were targeting. Uh, I was the only minority African-American man to, to, to win in that particular city with everyone big firms looking to get in. And how I did that was I understood the laws and I, and I also have a track record. So this is a mouthful, but hopefully it answered your question on a mastery level. So I'm going to leave it at that. All right. Well, Shiwin, I like to ask some personal development questions to help listeners get a better sense of who you are as a person. Uh, but I think in your case, everybody's gotten a sense already. But I'm still gonna, I'm, I'm still gonna, I'm gonna still ask the questions. Is is there a book that's had a big impact on your life or your way of thinking that you'd like to share? Yeah, I have several books. Uh, and, 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 uh, the Four Agreements really played a big part, um, you know, in, in my life and. Um, and how I look at it is what you speak to yourself is what manifests. Uh, I, I think that we are all powerful beings. And uh, once we start, our mind is so powerful. So when we think something, it manifests. Uh, when, when we are gloomy or sad, uh, that's how we see the world. Uh, when, we're, you're, when we're elevated, we, we see it in a different light. Um, you know, we, we solely have the power to, uh, I believe, in the blank page. Um, and what that means is we all have the power to write our story um, because you came from because you didn't come from wealth. That does not mean you can't obtain wealth. And I'm going to say this again. Um, I came from a third world country where poverty was everywhere, where is either you're rich or you're poor. There was no middle class. So when I came to America uh, and I saw the endless opportunity of and, and not everything is perfect. But I believe that if you have a level of hustle and grit, um, the, there is more possibility for your success than if you were in a third world country. I love it, man. That's uh, that should be your slogan: grit and hustle. You got it. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so, I preach. That's actually part of our eight core value that that we we make all our decisions based off our eight core values, and, and that's how I live my life. Tell me, is there one thing that you believe to be true that most people disagree with you on? Wow. Yeah, that's a deep question. Um, I'm a very optimistic person. I, I don't um, – when someone – so I, I look at this. At, uh, so if let's just say we get in a confrontation and you do something bad to me that really hurt me or, uh, uh, or you screwed me over, right? I have different options. I can – I can I can sit there and harbor hatred and look at how to get you back or I can pivot and, and use my energy in a more positive way to get the outcome that I want. <clears throat> so I'm a type of person where 
I'm very optimistic. I, I don't take bullshit, of course. But if you do something to me, the way I would react is like, uh, you, you know, is a little different than other people. I just don't have time, nor do I have the energy to plot on your demise when I could focus on my own success. I believe energy and my time is precious. So I'd rather not waste it on, on negativity when I could be more uh, creative, when I'm, my mind is clear, when I'm a lot more positive. So I had an example. Somebody owed me a lot of money and it, it was getting to the point where it was just draining me. It was like, just pay me what you owe me. And I just told them to keep it. it, the, the, it was the, the amount of stress and energy that it was taking me to really get uh, it, it just messed up my whole vibe. It, it messed up my day. I, I, I just couldn't, I, I just don't have time for that. Um, and it, yeah, so let, let me stop right there. But it, it's just like your mindset is really powerful. And what you focus on is what you manifest. Well said. Shane Woon, as we close, how can listeners connect with you and find Elevate online? Yeah, uh, we are, uh, you can find us at elevatecannabis.com. Uh, you can also follow us on social media at Elevate Cannabis uh, on Instagram, Twitter, and all social platforms. Awesome. Thanks so much for coming on the show, and good luck with everything. You do have a lot of grit and hustle, and I really appreciate the spark and energy you bring to the industry. It's really motivating. So keep it up. Hey, thank you so much for having me. You know, I'm I'm a huge fan of yours. I listen to your podcast every Monday. All and, right. Um, yeah, so huge fan. So thank you so much for having me on. If you enjoyed the show today, please consider leaving us a review on iTunes, Stitcher, or whatever app you might be using to listen to the show. Every five-star review helps us to bring the best guest to you. Learn more at cannainsider.com forward slash iTunes. What are the five disruptive trends that will impact the cannabis industry in the next five years? Find out with your free report at cannainsider.com forward slash trends. Have a suggestion for an awesome guest on Canna Insider? Simply send us an email at feedback at cannainsider.com. We'd love to hear from you. Please do not take any information from Canna Insider or its guests as medical advice. Contact your licensed physician before taking cannabis or using it for medical treatments. Promotional consideration may be provided by select guests, advertisers, or companies featured in Canna Insider. Lastly, the host or guests on Canna Insider may or may not invest in the companies or entrepreneurs profiled on the show. Please consult your licensed financial advisor before making any investment decisions. Final disclosure to see if you're still paying attention. This little whistle jingle you're listening to will get stuck in your head for the rest of the day. Thanks for listening and look for another Canna Insider episode soon. Take care. Bye-bye.